I'm just going to say thanks to uh, Truth Time Radio. Thanks for the information to clear up all the questions. Welcome to Truth Time, where you'll get a shot of the truth with no chaser. You're listening to Truth Time Radio on 1490 AM, the talk of Chattanooga, and 97.7 FM, hot country, Jackson, Ohio. And we're streaming coast-to-coast and around the world at TruthTimeRadio.com. And now your Truth Time host, Trey Searcy. Welcome to another Truth Time transmission. We're here to help you work through some things and come to better understand your Bible. We have a toll-free 24-hour line that we leave open for questions and comments. And that number is one 888 That's one 888 We also want to encourage you to go to the website truthtimeradio.com There you'll find one of the more popular features. It's the one called Compare the Verses. Hey, just take a few minutes of your day, go to the Compare the Verses link, and you'll begin to see the vast distinctions that are in the Bible. And the more you dig in, the more you'll learn about the study principle of rightly dividing the word of truth. And once you understand how to rightly divide the word of truth, the more cross-conscience you'll become. Our Apostle Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul had his mind set on the finished cross work of Christ. Not the cross work of Christ. You can find that in any church on any given Sunday. We're talking about the finished cross work of Christ. And I assure you, there is a difference. To be cross-conscious is to set your affection on the grace of God. Christ, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for you, shedding his blood and giving his life for you on the cross. That old rugged cross can turn your bitter situation sweet. Now, if you're busy First John 1 in your sins and keeping short accounts with God, you're no longer cross-conscious, you're sin-conscious. If you're busy turning from sins, thinking that if you don't you'll lose your salvation, you're sin-conscious concentrating on what christ died to set you free from and by you being sin conscious concentrating on your sins you'll sin more than ever that only stirs up sinful passions you need to realize that you're free from sin romans 8 2 god's no longer counting your sins against you he's no longer imputing them to your account colossians 2 13 now does that mean it's wise for a safe person to indulge in sinful behavior Absolutely not. But do understand that your day-to-day shortcomings while in this world in no way affect your eternal standing with God. It does, however, affect your day-to-day state in this life. But your eternal standing and your present-day state are not synonymous. When presenting the gospel to an unsaved individual, it is important that we are clear, very clear and specific in our presentation. Why so? Well, most everyone that has attended church has heard and believed that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again. And those same churchgoers have also heard, To be saved, you must ask God to forgive your sins. Now, these two statements made together go totally against the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction says that two opposites cannot both be correct at the same time. 
It cannot be stop and go at the same time. No, it would have to be stop or go. It cannot be black and white at the same time. It would of necessity have to be black or white. Likewise, it simply cannot be if you believe Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, you're saved, while at the same time, if you believe Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, plus you ask him to forgive your sins, you're saved. It cannot be both. That's nonsensical. These are two different messages. Did you hear the plus? Plus does not mean to stay the same, nor does it mean to subtract. Plus means in addition to. So you're adding to the gospel. Churches do this all the time. These are two different messages, two messages that are not the same. Satan is very cunning and can destroy the gospel with this sneaky, snaky subtlety. You cannot possibly believe that God alone did all the work necessary for your salvation, while at the same time believe that you asking for his forgiveness has anything to do with it. There are those who blindly follow tradition by adding to the gospel. They include 1 John 1, 9 with 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That will not save you. Some include Acts 2.38 with 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4. That will not save you. Others include Matthew 19.17 with 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4. And you know what? That will not save you either. This is a liberal presentation of the gospel and should be apparent to any saved student of the Bible. Those who add to the simplicity of God's grace message have played right into Satan's hands. Saved people are at peace concerning their eternal standing with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Saved people know that they are the righteousness of God in Christ because Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for them. 2 Corinthians 5.21 It was the greatest trait in the history of mankind. Christ took your sin and gave you his righteousness. Salvation happens when you finally put your trust in Christ, believing the good news that all your sins, every last one, past, present, and future, were judged at the cross. There is not two gospels today. There is only one. It's not the cross work. It's the finished cross work. You know, one of the biggest outcries against Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of Christ, was that it was just too violent. God poured out his wrath onto Christ, and as he took your punishment, the soldiers delivered lash after lash after lash, beating upon the sinless Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, this is truth time, and we have a responsibility to tell the truth. So here it is. That movie was not violent enough. We're told in Isaiah 52:14 that at the cross, the visage of Jesus was marred more than any man. In the movie, even after all the beatings, the actor who played Jesus was still very much recognizable. He came nowhere near the Bible's description of Jesus. In the movie, when they whipped Christ, there were only a tiny portion of his bones exposed. However, Psalm 129.3 says, The plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. And Psalm 22.17 says, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. All the bones of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ were exposed. So while the movie was plenty violent enough to us, it by no means even came close to the actual truth in Scripture. 
God took our punishment and freely offers us his grace. Just simply take him at his word. There is nothing you can do in your flesh to earn God's grace. There is nothing you can do in your flesh to keep God's grace. Now, legalists do not want you to hear this. And furthermore, they they really don't want you to understand it, which might lead you to believe it. You see, their fear is that you may wake up and come out from under their thumb. You may break the chains that have bound you for so long. A freed slave may start to process some new data. A slave set free may start to think for themselves, understanding some things. The body of Jesus absorbed everything that you and I deserved. God's wrath was poured out upon Jesus at the cross. All your sins were poured out onto Christ. The curses that you and I deserve poured out onto Christ. Jesus, Savior of all humanity, endured the fierce anger of God while thinking of you. To borrow a lyric from an old song I used to play as a DJ back in the 80s, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. While on that cross, he took all the world's condemnation. It was all placed on him. Oh, we deserved it, but he took it. So I implore you today to live your life expecting to see not the judgment, but the goodness and unmerited grace of God. Something important to remember is that unbelievers cannot gain God's righteousness by their behavior any more than believers can add to their righteousness by their behavior. Being religious today is like living in bizarro world. Religion leaves you in a baby state, always sipping on the milk. You can't give them meat or they'll choke to death. What does a baby need? A lot of games, a lot of toys. Otherwise, you'll not be able to keep his attention. So, along comes someone to the Truth Time radio show. They begin to listen, and after just a few minutes, they've had enough. <laughs> no games, no toys, no bells and whistles. What's going on here? Well, here we're dishing out fact after fact after fact after fact. A shot of truth with no chaser. Meanwhile, they've been dumbed down by attending one of those churches that has their focus on entertainment with all the carnival activities. Gotta have something fleshly going on to keep them entertained. You know what I'm talking about. Moreover, these same churches have about 45 minutes or more of singing and only about 15 minutes of preaching. And that's a little too much. It's noteworthy to remember that getting religious unbelievers to see the truth is like trying to pull the back teeth of an unsedated lion. A question you may want to ask yourself is, if what I'm hearing on truth time is true, why would I want to lay claim to the instructions written for someone else? If you walked to your mailbox today and found that your mail person had accidentally placed your neighbor's electric bill in your mailbox, would you open it? Furthermore, would you get your checkbook out and pay the amount? We must respect the division that God made in time past. You are not in this covenant God made with the nation of Israel. You're not there. And if you're intellectually honest with yourself, 
You do not need me to tell you this. You know it based on the evidence. There is no one, not one person on earth today, that live according to the covenant that God made with these biblical people he calls Israel. And while I can give you a few biblical proofs by presenting the verses that compare their instructions with ours, in this half-hour program there is only so much I can do. So I suggest you go to truthtimeradio.com, then mouse over the link that says, Compare the Verses. And if you can still walk away in all sincerity, with every fiber of your being, truthfully say that you're following those instructions, there's nothing more I can do for you. I'm not here to jump on anyone today, but rather to present a few biblical facts. Here's a biblical fact that you may have accidentally overlooked, and today I ask you for your consideration. Please consider the following. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. Now these are the words of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the man many claim to follow, but simply do not. Why? Because they only see the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as being the ones written in red. Their allegiance is not really to all the words of Christ, but only the red letters. Now, in Ephesians 2.12, we read this, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. So if we let Bible evidence carry the day, we can only conclude that at the time that God had a select group of people, his chosen people, Israel, At that time, we were not being given any instructions, any doctrine for us to follow. Truth Time is here to help you better equip yourself to discern and separate the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. In order for you to understand your Bible, you must rightly divide the word of truth. The king and the kingdom had been explained in the books of Matthew through John. Both were rejected by Israel. Israel was then given one more year during the chapters of Acts 1 through 7 to bear the fruit of belief, Luke chapter 13 verses 6 to 9. Now had they accepted their king? Their kingdom would have come, and God's will would have been done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6 verse 10. But they didn't accept their king, and their kingdom did not come. Stephen then declared Israel to be unworthy. Acts chapter 7 verse 51. So God postponed his dealings with them. Romans chapter 11 verse 25. And Christ came and saved the Apostle Paul and put in place the parenthetical period that is now operating and it's called the dispensation of the grace of God. Now we who are the members of the church, the body of Christ, were made to sit together in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. But next on the calendar is the catching away of the church. However, the Romans 11.25 fullness of the Gentiles must happen first. Christ is currently at rest, sitting on the right hand of God, Colossians 3.1. But he'll take his stand and leave the third heaven, dispatching the angels to empty out the second heaven, Revelation 12.7 and 8. Everything is then in place for the Lord to meet the church in the clouds to give us our heavenly inheritance. 
After we meet him in the clouds, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, he'll return to earth to make his enemies his footstool. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8. He'll then institute his prophesied kingdom with the twelve tribes of Israel, at which point Christ will again be seated. Luke chapter 1 verse 32. Details and words are imported to God. So when he spake of manna as being daily bread, Matthew chapter 6 verse 11, he meant what he said. Manna was only good for one day, Exodus 16:20. Israel's manna prayer will be answered in the tribulation period when God will feed them during the time when the mark of the beast system is in place, Revelation 2:17 and 12:6. God will have to feed them because they'll be unable to buy or sell. Revelation 13, 17. TruthTimeRadio.com. There you can go and, uh, well, start to put some things together that will help you better understand your Bible. Religion produces a lot of andies. Have you ever spoken with an andi? You know the ones I'm speaking of. When they're asked to give a salvation testimony, they'll say, I know I'm going to heaven because Jesus died for my sins and I. They're andies. Churches are filled with andies. They're adding themselves to the good news, adding themselves to the gospel. They say things like this, I believe that Christ died to forgive me of my sins, and I ask him to forgive me of my sins. Or they'll say this, I believe Christ died for my sins, and I have to turn from my sins to be saved. These folks have a false sense of salvation that is based upon their own human effort, but in reality they'll miss heaven for their adding to the gospel. God's grace is what saves. Grace means unmerited. Adding just one element to God's grace would make it merited. Romans 11.6 stands in stark contrast to that belief. Romans 11.6 is clear and makes it easy for anyone to understand that you cannot mix works with grace. And Titus 3.5 could have just as easily said, If we think it's by works which we have done, then his mercy cannot save us. We're currently living in the dispensation of grace when the Lord is saving uncircumcised Gentiles without the works of the law. On this side of the mystery, we have a new message, a new messenger, and a new pattern. Romans 11.13 and 1 Timothy 1.16 on this side of the revelation of the mystery, we have a new commission, 2 Corinthians 5.19-21. And part of that commission is to let folks know that we are free from sin. A payment was owed, but Christ paid that sin debt. His righteousness has been credited to our account. We are not waiting on grace. We already possess it. Under covenant, Peter made it clear when Israel will be made complete in their salvation. 1 Peter 1.13 Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. 
There's your timeline. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you. When is that, Peter? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's when Jesus returns to earth to set up a kingdom for Israel. However, in stark contrast, under grace, Paul makes it clear to us that we are already complete, already standing in grace. Colossians 2.10 Paul says, Ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And Paul writes in Romans 5.2 By whom also we have access by faith. Notice that's not our performance, but by faith. By faith into this grace wherein we stand. Folks, that's present tense, not future. And now we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have atonement now, not later. Under covenant, Peter, while preaching to Israel, told them to repent and wait for their atonement. Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Did you notice the timeline there? Their sins will be blotted out when Christ returns, when Israel is in the presence of the Lord. However, in stark contrast, under grace, Paul, while preaching not to just a nation, but to all nations, tells us that we have already received the atonement. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 11. Oh, this is good news. Paul says, But we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Did you hear the word now? There's no need for me to explain what that means. Now means now. But Peter said, They're waiting for the times of refreshing, which is still yet and future when they'll be in the presence of the Lord. That's when they'll receive their atonement. Are we reconciled by works or by grace? Well, under covenant, Israel was reconciled by their religious works under the law of Moses. Religious tradition has wrongly taught that the law of Moses ceased when Christ came to earth. That's incorrect. Matthew 23, 1-3 Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. Folks, as late as Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is commanding them to observe and to do the law of Moses. However, on the other side of the cross, and after the revelation of the mystery, Jesus revealed something totally different to the Apostle Paul for him to convey to us. Under grace, we learn that we are reconciled by Christ's death on our behalf and not by any religious works of the law of Moses. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 Listen to the book. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing. Did you see that? Not imputing trespasses. Christ is no longer imputing trespasses against anyone. It's time you learn to rightly divide the word of truth. These things are different. Things that are different cannot be the same. We do not forgive others so that we may be forgiven. Matthew chapter 6 verses 14 and 15. 
We forgive others because we're already forgiven. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. No man alive today can forgive or remit someone else's sins. John chapter 20 verse 23. No, we're under grace. And there's no need for any sins to be forgiven. The blood of Christ has already taken care of it. Colossians 1.14 You need to get this. You need to understand that your Bible is set up on a study principle of rightly dividing the word of truth. And once you get that, you'll start to put some things together. There's a simple study principle and it's found in 2 Timothy 2.15. If you'll go by that, if you'll rightly divide the word of truth, hey, you've spent the years collecting the dots, now it's time you connect the dots. We don't confess our sins for forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 Why? Because we're forgiven already. Colossians 2.13 We've been quickened and made alive by Christ. We are now in Christ, together with Him, and He has forgiven us all trespasses. Our sins have been taken out of the way and nailed to the cross. Christ took care of the sin, and sin is no longer the issue. If you're unsaved, it's not a sin issue, it's an unbelief issue. The sin issue has been settled, and the only thing keeping you unsaved is your unbelief. Faith is simply taking a stand where God stands, agreeing with God, not tradition. If anyone thinks they can turn from sin to be saved, if anyone thinks they can confess their sins and be saved, they are ignorant of God's righteousness, and they're going about to establish their own righteousness. They've not come to the end of themselves, having submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 3. Read it for yourself. you got Bible questions and comments, go to our website, truthtimeradio.com. You can call us toll-free, 988 9562 That's a 24-hour line open just for you. 